With mirth and laughter, let old wrinkles come. Mitch Trubisky, send him many years of sunshine days. Welcome to the Versing, Cursing, and Rehearsing podcast. My name is Derek. I am your host today. This is a Steelers Saturday as we look back at the big win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and we get ready for the big game this week on Sunday Night Football against the Miami Dolphins. So, huge win for the Steelers. Super, super awesome. They were able to get back into the win column. We're going to look back at that game. We're going to look at big plays and big moments. We're going to give a major, major shout-out to Mitch Trubisky, who I don't think a lot of people had on their bingo card. Him coming off of the bench in relief of Kenny Pickett once Kenny Pickett got injured and lighten up the Bucks defense. It was really, really awesome to see. Tom Brady, in probably his last trip to Akershire Stadium, takes the loss and berates his offensive line in the process. So that was great. We're going to look back at that game, and we are going to break down the Miami Dolphins. They come into this week at 3-3 three and three in third place in the AFC East. We're going to look at how each team lines up and gets ready for this game, the potential injuries that each team has, We're going to talk a little bit about the quarterback controversy, which I am putting in quotations because I don't really think it's a controversy. We're going to think about the keys to a big Steelers victory on Sunday, and then we're going to make our official prediction for the game on Sunday. Uh, I'm recording this live from my office at the bowling alley, which if that sounds strange, yeah, my office at the bowling alley. Well, hey, it's 2022. Anything can happen. It makes me wonder why I'm working on a friggin' Saturday, but then again, I work at a bowling alley. So that's until this show gets a ton of subscriptions and likes. But right now, live from the bowling alley, this is Derek with the VCR podcast. We're going to look at the Miami game and we're going to look back at the Tampa Bay game. So keep it with me here on Versing, Cursing, and Rehearsing, Steelers Saturday Edition. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the Versing, Cursing, and Rehearsing podcast. This is Steelers Saturday edition. My name is Derek. I am recording this from my office at the bowling alley. And we are looking ahead to the big matchup on Sunday Night Football between the Steelers and the Miami Dolphins. Before we get into that too, too much, we have to look back at the huge victory the Steelers had over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this previous Sunday at Acrisure Stadium. This win really gets the Steelers back into contention, really puts them in a position to start to make a run at this thing towards the end of the season. The Steelers now are only one game out of first place in the AFC North. The Bengals and the Ravens are each tied at three and three. The Steelers and the Browns are each tied at two and four. That puts the Steelers still in fourth place because of the head-to-head loss to Cleveland. But they do have a head-to-head win over Cincinnati, and I think that Cincinnati looks like the team to beat in the division right now. So that's about as good as you could ask for, for a 2-4 and four team through the first six games. Obviously, 2-4 and four is an ugly-looking record, but a lot has gone wrong for the Steelers, and they've played a lot of tough games already. So they have as good a chance as anybody in that division. I really believe that. So the... We look back at the game against Tampa Bay on Sunday. The Steelers were able to hold Leonard Fournette to only 63 yards on 21 carries. I thought that the Buccaneers had a nonsensical game plan where they continued to try to feature the running game, even though Tom Brady in his career has torched the Steelers' defense and the Steelers had so many injuries in the secondary. 
but it really did seem like they were wanting to be assertive and establish the ground game on first and second down, but it did not work at all. The Steelers held strong against Fournette. Tampa Bay really has struggled to run the football this season. They held Tom Brady to 25 completions on 40 attempts for 243 yards, one touchdown, and a 92.9 QB rating. And the great Chris Godwin and the great Chris Evans were held to 10 catches combined for only 133 yards. So I think that's about as good as you could expect for this kind of no-name defense that the Steelers trotted out there, better than you could really expect. And that was a really inspiring performance from them. If you look to break down this game, uh, in the first quarter, the Steelers scored on the opening possession, uh, scored a touchdown, which never seems to happen for this team. Kenny Pickett started out 5-for-5. The offense was really rolling, moving the ball early in the game. That looked really great. And then it kind of sputtered from there. I'm not sure what the thought process was. I think the Steelers, similar to Tampa Bay, were determined to try to get Najee Harris going in this game. But that did not work. Um, They sputtered for the rest of the first quarter. The Buccaneers came back with a field goal to make it 7-3 to at the end of the first in the early on in the second quarter, the Buccaneers kicked another field goal to make it 7-6. to six. Um, The Steelers did get a good drive going early in the second quarter. They got deep into Tampa Bay territory, but a Kevin Dotson holding penalty on first down made it a first and 20. Kevin Dotson really struggled in this game. He had three holding penalties, and of course he gave up the QB hit on Pickett, which got him concussed later in the game. But the Steelers weren't able to convert from that. They were held to three to make it... 10 to 6. They really couldn't get much going on the rest of the first half at that point. The Buccaneers were able to get a late field goal to cut into the deficit and make it 10 to 9 Pittsburgh at the break. Coming out of halftime, Steelers got a really, really positive uh, play from Steve Sims on the kickoff return, got them deep into Tampa Bay territory. Unfortunately, Kenny Pickett did not have a great series there. He felt pressure. He was unable to hit some guys in the back of the end zone. The Steelers were held to three points. And then on the next offensive drive, that was when Dotson held Devin White, but Devin White was still able to get through and hit Pickett, concuss him, and knock him out of the game. And in came Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Mitch Ended up having a great game, but he got he struggled when he first came in. Two straight uh, three and outs. And then the fourth quarter happened when Mitch was able to convert two big third downs on a drive, first to Pickens for 14, second to Connor Hayward, of all people, for a 45-yard completion. And then Mitch stuck one in there in the middle to chase Claypool for a touchdown, which was great. Uh, The Bucs finally did get something going offensively after that. They came back with a touchdown. But the game-saving play by Devin Bush, of all people, to prevent the two-point conversion Steelers led 20-18. to They got the ball back and were able to just kill out the clock through more great plays by Trubisky. The Steelers' stats ended up with Trubisky was 9-12, 144 yards, a touchdown, 144 QB rating, which is excellent. Kenny Pickett was 11-18 of for 67 yards, one touchdown, and 88 QBR. That is not so good. Najee Harris, again, was held to just 42 yards. Najee Harris is in 32nd place in the NFL in rushing. Uh, He's averaging just around three yards a carry. That is awful. And he only has 300-yard games in his entire career as the first running back taken in the draft last year and obviously the Steelers' first-round pick. So I'm not sure if he's injured. I'm not sure what's going on with that. 
but he's clearly not living up to what the Steelers had intended for him to be when they drafted him. If he is injured, they need to sit him down and they need to play Jalen Warren. If he's not injured, they need to start figuring it out. They need to maybe change the blocking schemes or change how they're getting him the football. I mean, he did have the touchdown reception in this game. That was really great. But again, he was wide open on that. It was a good play by Pickett. Uh, something needs to be figured out for Najee because it's, it's not working at all. Uh, obviously, the Steelers' best receiver in this game was Chase Claypool. Uh, he had seven catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Best game for him so far this season. The trade talks of Claypool to the Packers makes no sense whatsoever to me in any way, shape, or form. Let me ask you this, Steelers fans. In their entire history, when have you ever remembered the Steelers during the season to trade one of their starting players in either offense or defense? They don't do that. I, I don't understand it. He was a second-round pick. They're talking about maybe they can get a third-round pick from the Packers for him. That right there just you know insinuates that it was a flawed draft pick. And if you trade Claypool, who becomes the Steelers' third receiver? Miles Boykin? That's just not going to make them a better team. It doesn't make any sense when you have a young quarterback and a struggling offense to trade away a talented player, albeit he has been inconsistent. So that that's not going to happen. But great game by Claypool in this game. Um, some some great, great plays on the defense. Miles Jack had a team-high six tackles. Alex Highsmith had a sack and a forced fumble. Cam Hayward had a sack. Highsmith leading the NFL in sacks to this point in the season. Talk about stepping up with TJ Watt not in the game. Uh, I think a lot of us thought that Highsmith was going to really struggle without with getting more of the attention with Watt not being in there. But he has had his best season so far, and he really looks like a truly excellent player. Definitely, to me, an obvious Pro Bowl candidate. And really, if the Steelers are able to turn this around, I mean... Hey, he's leading the league in sacks. Maybe defensive player of the year. Maybe that's insane. I don't know. But great, great game by Highsmith again. He's been excellent. So some takeaways that I really think are important from this game. Number one takeaway, how can you say anything other than congratulations to Mitch Trubisky? He really deserves it. That was an inspiring performance. It shows what I really think Mitch Trubisky is. I think he's an excellent backup quarterback. And he's a solid spot starter here and there uh, for three or four games in a season. But I think he's proven yet again this season that he's not really the guy to lead you to the playoffs, to you know take on the big teams and the big defenses every week. But he really is capable of having that veteran thing where he can just come in and he can just turn things around. That was really awesome. And one side note on Trubisky, I have been critical of his play throughout most of this season, and a lot of people have. But I really do think Mitch, the guy, is proving that he deserves everybody's respect. That whole argument with Deontay Johnson and all of that, I think it's a little bit rich for Deontay Johnson to come into the locker room at halftime against the Jets when he dropped the ball right into the arms of the Jets secondary for an interception and then wasn't able to get his feet down in the end zone for a perfectly thrown touchdown pass by Mitch to then come at Mitch and complain about not getting the ball enough. If I was Mitch, I would turn around and say that I gave you the ball and you blew it multiple opportunities. If those plays had been made, Mitch might still have been starting. Maybe the Steelers win that game. That was not called for, and then I didn't like the way that 
the coach, Mike Tomlin, basically backed Deontay and then again doubled down on that in the media and refused to talk about the situation. If I was Mitch Trubisky and my character was being assaulted, you know, conduct unbecoming of a captain, I get the job taken away from me by a rookie this early into the season, I'd be really pissed about that. I would want to be having conversations about it. I would want to get to the bottom of that spat, but he hasn't done that. He's been you know, a, a really good teammate, I think, aside from that, and he's really supported Kenny Pickett. Uh, he deserves a lot of respect. He's an excellent backup, and I'm really happy that he was able to have that great moment on Sunday. So congratulations to Mitch Trubisky, inspiring performance. Another inspiring performance was this no-name secondary was great. Going up against the greatest quarterback of all time, albeit he is 45, I understand that, but this no-name secondary, James Pierre, Josh Jackson. I mean, these guys, like, they're lucky to even be on NFL rosters. And there they are holding Brady and, you know, forcing only one touchdown out of the Buccaneers offense. And, and Godwin and Evans were out there. That was really great. I, I did not see that coming. I thought that Brady was going to have a field day on this secondary. But he wasn't able to. So that's great. And then... I had said coming into the game that I thought the biggest key was that the Steelers were going to need to get an early lead, force the Buccaneers to become, and Brady especially, to become uncomfortable, have to be one-dimensional, and they really were able to do that. The Steelers led basically the entire way. They made Brady uncomfortable. You could see him being uncomfortable when he was berating his offensive lineman, which that's another debate for another day. Has the guy that goes to a wedding Friday night and skips the walkthrough get to yell at his offensive lineman? I don't care what you've accomplished. That was ridiculous. But I digress. They made Brady uncomfortable, and I really think that this could be a game where they plant a flag offensively and defensively and decide that what we've been seeing throughout this season is not okay. Unlike their neighbors on the North Shore, which I can be critical of, and we all can be critical of many times, it is not okay for the Steelers to suck repeatedly. And we'll see how it goes moving forward, but that was a really, really great and unexpected inspiring performance by this team, and we really should really be proud of it. Again, the golden boy, Kenny Pickett, although he got knocked out of the game and Mitch really was the hero at the end, Kenny Pickett was the quarterback of record. His first win as an NFL starter in front of the Akrasher faithful, he defeated the great Tom Brady, who has always been the Steelers' biggest nemesis. It was beautiful to see. Well done. And keep with me here on the VCR podcast as I look forward to break down the Steelers' opponents on Sunday Night Football, the Miami Dolphins. Thank you. Hi there, friends. Welcome back to the Versing, Cursing, and Rehearsing podcast. This is Derek here from my office at the Bowling Alley here on a Steelers Saturday. We are looking ahead to the game on Sunday Night Football on NBC, the Steelers and the Miami Dolphins coming into this game. But before I get too, too much into that, I did mention in the previous segment that I wanted to address the quarterback controversy, quote-unquote, if you will. I mentioned before that Trubisky earned our respect as a player and as a guy, the Deontay situation being yanked from the game, yada, yada, yada. It was great to see him have success like that in the game against Tampa Bay last week. Great job, Mitch. But there is no quarterback controversy. There's no going back. There's never any going back. Pickett is the starter totally. 
The only time he ever comes out is for injury or for absolutely disastrous performance. I think that Trubisky proved once again on Sunday that he is what he is. He's a great backup quarterback. He's a good spot starter. He's a good guy to have around for Kenny. But he's not really going to be more than that. If I was Trubisky, I would ask for a trade. Because there's nothing else for him to do here. If he has any hope of of restarting his NFL career again, which this season was supposed to be that for him... It's just not going to happen in Pittsburgh because Pickett's the guy. Clearly, I don't think Trubisky would have signed for the Steelers if they had known, or if he had known that they were going to draft a quarterback, and let alone the Pitt first round quarterback in the draft. I would ask for a trade if I was Trubisky, and if I was the Steelers, I would probably grant that because Mason Rudolph, I think, also is a very capable and competent backup. He can be the backup. He's not going to get another starting opportunity anywhere else. Trubisky might, but Rudolph will not. Rudolph is a career backup totally. He could be the backup to pick it, and maybe the Steelers could get you know a fourth or fifth round pick or something for Trubisky. I don't know. It'd be something, and it'd give him an opportunity. But he's earned our respect, but it's Pickett's team. It's Pickett's time. He's the quarterback of the future and of the present. There's no going back. So any of these crazy people on Twitter or anything like that that are saying, play Mitch, play Mitch, there's no no tangible positive impact for playing Mitch Trubisky over Kenny Pickett at this point. That ship has sailed. It's over. Respect to Mitch, but this team is all Kenny moving forward. So that addresses the QB controversy. Now, as we get into this game here against Miami, exciting to see the Steelers on national TV again. Primetime games always have a little bit extra something, a little bit extra juice. But coming into this game, we have the Miami Dolphins. They are 3-3. Three and three. They are third in the AFC East. They're actually on a three-game losing streak. That three-game losing streak started on Thursday Night Football a few weeks back against Cincinnati with the Tua Tungavailoa situation where he allegedly suffered a concussion against the Bills the prior week and then they played him only a few days later on Thursday night and then it looked like he suffered a concussion again and there's all the controversy that has has sparked from that. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Everything I read and everything I heard had said that he was cleared to play and they played him. I think there's a lot of things that need to still be investigated about that and probably will be investigated by after the season, once we get out of the season. But regardless, if you're just looking at this from an X's and O's football standpoint, clearly Miami is not even close to as good without Tua Tungavailoa because they've lost every game since he left on against Cincinnati as the starter. But even with that, they have an excellent passing attack and it looks like they're going to get to a back for this game but the Dolphins are eighth in total offense but second in passing offense and 30th in rushing offense so they chuck it deep they air it out Tua this season is their leading passer of course he has 1,035 yards he's 23rd in the league in passing but keep in mind he's missed the last two and a half games so he would be much higher up if he had played those games. He has eight touchdowns versus three picks. 
Tyreek Hill is their leading wide receiver, the star, former Kansas City Chief. He has 50 catches. That's second in the NFL, 701 yards already. That's first in the NFL, and he has two touchdowns. Jalen Waddell, their second receiver, he has 30 catches and 533 yards. That yardage is fifth in the NFL. So they have the first and fifth ranked wide receivers in the NFL. Waddle has three touchdowns of his own. Um, things have not been so rosy in the rushing game. Like I mentioned, 30th rushing offense. Raheem Mostert is their leading rusher. He's got 71 carries for 309 yards. It's 24th in the NFL. I mentioned prior, Najee Harris is 32nd in the NFL. Um, but Mostert has one touchdown on the year. Because they have struggled rushing the ball, they're only 17th in the league in scoring offense, similar to when we talked about Tampa Bay last week. They're moving the ball between the 20s, and they're, they're putting up, racking up a lot of yards and everything like that, but they're struggling to get short yardage conversions, and therefore they're not scoring at the clip that their offense would dictate them being able to do. On defense, it hasn't been that great for the Dolphins, though, and that that shows why they have this 3-3 three and three record. They are 27th in the NFL in scoring defense, 25th in the NFL in passing defense, and 11th in rushing defense. So a little bit more stout, stopping the run, but they can be had in that passing defense, and hopefully that's something that the Steelers will be able to exploit in this game, especially because Kenny Pickett has been cleared to play, so he will get an opportunity. Hopefully, he's played against some really, really good pass defenses so far. He's going to play up against a pretty poor one on Sunday, and hopefully uh, that bears positive dividends for the Steelers. On the injury front, neither team really is all that hampered going into it. It looks like the Steelers are going to get their secondary back, Levi Wallace, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Sutton. It looks like they're all going to play. Um, Kenny Pickett has been a full participant in practice all week, and he is cleared to play. He will start on Sunday night. Miami their defensive end, Emmanuel Ogba, is still questionable with a bad back. Christian Wilkins, their other defensive tackle, is questionable with a hand injury. And both of their tackles are questionable, especially Teron Armstead, the star tackle that they have. Uh, he is questionable with turf toe. So Miami seems like a little bit more banged up than Pittsburgh, but neither team really comes in super, super in trouble, I think, on the injury front. So I don't think that will have a huge, huge bearing on this game. The keys to the game for me, Minka Fitzpatrick is returning back to the team that drafted him. The last time the Steelers played against Miami was the year that Minka came to the Steelers and he was excellent in that game on Monday Night Football. He needs to be Minka again in this game. Him as well as the rest of the varsity secondary is returning. They're going to have their hands full with this passing attack, especially because it does look like Tua is going to start. So right back in the saddle, the second-rake passing offense in the NFL will have all of their weapons back, including Tyreek Hill, who has historically ripped the Steelers up in his career with Kansas City. I'm not sure exactly what kind of coverages they're going to try to play against Hill. I would think they're going to do what most teams do, which is try to drop two deep safeties, including Minka. He's going to have to play center field and really control everything in front of him. That leads me to another key to the game. It's going to be very, very difficult for the Steelers to stop this offense. I 
just think it's going to be very difficult. They they have an elite offense with all kinds of speed and all kinds of talent all over the the field. But with that, you know they're going to get the yards. The quarterback and the receivers are so good. You know they're going to move the ball. Allow them to move the ball between the 20s. Don't get burned deep. Play Minka back. Let it be a no-fly zone. If the tight ends hurt you a little bit over the middle of the field, you can live with that. But let them move the ball between the 20s. We need to bunker down in the red zone and force them to kick field goals. The Steelers are going to need to score points in this game. I think they're going to score points in this game. So allow the Dolphins to move the football and all that kind of stuff, but you really got to bear down and force them to kick field goals once they get inside the red zone or maybe even create a turnover here or there once the field shortens and you get inside the red zone. The other big key is, as I mentioned, the Steelers are going to need to score a lot of points. This is a great game for Kenny Pickett to plant a flag on national TV in front of the entire audience that he is here to stay. He's going up against a weak passing defense, and he's going to have all of his weapons back. Maybe Deontay Johnson finally catches a touchdown. Maybe George Pickens finally catches a touchdown. But Pickett and this passing offense needs to exploit Miami's defense, and I normally they don't win games like this, but I think the Steelers are going to need to win this game in a relative shootout. So they'll have to score points. It's a great opportunity for Pickett in this offense to make their mark. So my official prediction for this game, I predicted the Steelers would lose to Tampa Bay last week. I am predicting they will beat Miami on the road on Sunday night football. They're going to continue their strong momentum. And the reason that they are going to win this game Maybe it's a homer pick. Maybe it's because he's the QB from my favorite college team. But a star is going to be born on Sunday night. Kenny Pickett throws three touchdown passes and runs for a fourth touchdown. The Steelers make just enough plays on defense. Maybe they limit Hill to only one touchdown or something like that. But the Steelers will win this game 31 to Miami 24. 31 to 24 Steelers on the road. If you're looking at the betting line for this game, the Steelers are going in as seven-point underdogs on the road. I think that's the biggest lock of the week out of any of the betting. If you're a smart better, I would go all the way down to the casino or do it on your phone. Do it as quickly as you can. Take the Steelers with that because that's a huge spot. I think the Steelers are going to win outright. And so, yes, Steelers plus seven, I would definitely bet that. But my official prediction... Pittsburgh 31, Miami 24. We'll see how it goes. Here we go, Steelers. Let's go and get another win. Let's start stringing these things together for when we have to play the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles next week. They will be undefeated when the Steelers go to Philadelphia next week because Philly is idle this week. So that'll be a huge matchup. We will talk about that on the Steelers Saturday broadcast next week. So if you have any questions, if you want to share any of your thoughts, if you think I'm completely off base, please let me know. You can tweet me at ShaneEvent11 or send me a direct message at ShaneEvent11. And we will catch you next week on Steelers Saturday when we break this game down and get look ahead to the matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Here we go, Steelers. Thank you for tuning in to the VCR Podcast.